Welcome to Books on the Ridge, a production of Mount Zion Ridge Press, home of Books Off the Beaten Path. This is a podcast for our readers to get to know the authors of our books and look between the pages and behind the scenes. Plus, at the start of each month, we will offer readers a limited time code for a discount on the featured book. Your hosts are the co-owners and managing editors of Mount Zion Ridge Press. Hi, welcome back. I'm Tamerlyn Craft, Guilty Party and Managing Editor of Mount Zion Ridge Press. And today I am joined by another member of Mount Zion Ridge Press instead of Michelle. And her name is Penny McGinnis. And the reason Penny is helping me with this interview is because we have Michelle Levine, our other managing editor, in the hot seat talking about her newest novel. So we're going to have fun today, tormenting her in all kinds of fun ways. But let me tell you a little bit about Michelle first. Michelle started writing for fanzines in college while earning a bunch of useless degrees in theater. I don't think they're useless, but that's her words. English, film communication, and writing. Her first professional publication came from winning first place in the Writers of the Future contest in 1990. This is amazing to me, but I know it's true because of the way she writes so fast. She has over a hundred published books and novellas in science fiction, fantasy, cozies, and romance, and she's a tea snob. I knew there was a reason I loved her as soon as I met her. You're just uh, she, a bad influence on me. <laughs> yes, yes. She she co-owns Mount Zion Ridge Press. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Thank you for having me. I think we'll we'll see how this interview turns out. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I edit the interviews so I can leave it and take out what I want. Cue <laughs> <laughs> the maniacal laughter. Yes. Uh-oh. <laughs> well, we're going to talk to Michelle today about her novel, The Second Time Around, which is a Tabor Heights book one. And just for you folks listening, we have a special code that is the word SECOND, S-E-C-O-N-D, all in caps, that you can go to the Mount Zion Bridge Press website and use that to get a dollar off of Michelle's book uh, in the ebook or paperback. So that's a, a code that is second, S-E-C-O-N-D, and that is good till the end of June. It's good. And the second time around is Michelle's first Tabor Heights book. So why don't you tell us about your new book and about this mythical town of Tabor Heights. Okay, well, this is the story. It's a second chance at romance story. The main characters, Daniel and Lynette, are college sweethearts. They had plans to take Broadway and Hollywood by storm. They were theater students at Northwestern. And she got pregnant. And he immediately got ready to change all his plans. He wanted to take care of her set up a family. He was ready to cut back on his classes. And she said, no, you, you finish, you become a star, come back for us. She had a very, very wealthy mother. So she knew she'd be fine. And he kept, no, no, we, you know, marry me. And finally her mother ended up threatening him with restraining orders to keep him away because that's what Lynette wanted. 
Well, all of this is backstory. The story starts first day of school, fall term. This is 20 years later. Daniel is a theater professor at Butler Williams University in the town of Tabor Heights. And a freshman girl sits down in his theater history class who looks so much like Lynette that he's thrown back to his broken heart, his college romance. And one thing that I do in the Tabor Heights stories is I put a date on each new scene. The Tabor Heights books are organized into year one and year two. And they're released in basically the calendar date in which the different stories happen. So this story starts first out of all the stories. And it takes place over the course of actually two years. And time goes on and Daniel convinces himself that Kat, you know, it's just a a resemblance. But we find out when you go to Lynette's point of view that she knows exactly who he is. She knows that he is not only her daughter's favorite teacher, but he becomes her advisor. And she makes every effort possible that they never encounter each other until a whole year later when Daniel is invited to Thanksgiving dinner at the apartment of three of his students. And he only agrees to go because there's going to be boyfriends for all these girls. He's, he's a very, very ethical teacher. He has strict rules of conduct. Everybody knows what those rules of conduct are. So he shows up at their apartment on Thanksgiving day and finds out you're finally going to meet my mother. Well, her mother doesn't know Daniel's going to be there. And that's when the story starts uh, picking up speed. And I'm not going to ruin the whole story for you. (laughs) No spoilers, Michelle. (laughs) (laughs) But there is, there's a lot of pain. There's a lot of um, secret keeping and second thoughts. And they both want to get back together. They, they do love each other. They love Kat very much. One of the big conflicts between them is that she says, please don't tell Kat. Let me tell her in my own good time. Well, things co- finally come to an end. And when Kat finds out, she just blows up at both of her parents. But of course, it's a Tabor Heights book. So all of the characters are members of the congregation of Tabor Christian Church. And stories overlap. You witness problems, crises in the lives of other families, friends of Daniel's. There is mention of a serial killer who's going around targeting young women, uh, insisting that they are his true love, threatening their lives if they're not faithful to him. Well, when these girls are terrified and go to the police for help, he considers they've betrayed him and he kills them. So we have to deal with the White Rose Killer there is a accident that nearly kills one of uh, Daniel's co-teachers and how the covers how the whole community comes together, especially their church, to support the family through the crisis and other events, which I'm not going to mention because that would just that would just kill the suspense, but I want to make you curious. <laughs> well, you have done indeed that. You have made us curious. So it sounds like you're, you talk about your books all overlapping. Mm-hmm. How many books are in the series? Do you know yet? Okay, the Tabor Heights books are being re-released. The Tabor Heights books were originally 20 books. Two of the books in the two years that they took place were uh, collections of short stories. 
I'm taking those stories, those books apart and releasing the short stories as individual short stories. If people sign up for my newsletter, they'll be offered a, a free short story. So there were originally 20 books between the two years. And because it is the members of the same congregation, they're running into each other. They're witnessing what, what is going on in each other's lives. Well, the accident that I mentioned for Daniel's co-teacher, Joe Randolph, who is the set professor, theater construction. He handles all the lighting, set construction, set design for the theater productions. Joel and his family also run the Homespun Theater, which is a community theater in town. Let's see, there's four or five different stories that are all happening along the same time stream that mention the accident and how different people view what's going on, how they get involved in helping Joel and his family. And there's a couple of books that deal with finding the White Rose Killer. The next book in line is Detours, which is the other side of the story, the three college students who invite Daniel for Thanksgiving dinner. That covers a whole year of those three girls being roommates. And one of the girls is um, his daughter, who doesn't know she's his daughter, Kat. Most of the story, though, is the romance of Becca. The day the girls are scheduled to move in together, get their own apartment, be roommates, she says, okay, God, could I please have a boyfriend? And at the same time, Shane prays the same prayer on the same day as he's helping one of Becca's roommates, Amy, moving into the apartment. I assume he asked for a girlfriend, not for another, yes, not for a boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> Very funny. <laughs> yeah. Actually, actually, Becca does at one point, you know, he says, you know, a year ago today, Becca says, a year ago today, I was praying that God would give me a boyfriend. And Shane says, what do you know? I prayed the same prayer. And she looks and she says, you're praying for a boyfriend? <laughs> But um, I just had a lot of fun overlapping all the stories and how, you know, people in the, in the small community would view the same events at the same time. Sounds interesting. All right. So it sounds like you have a lot of Tabor Heights books coming out. Yes. Can we expect other books from you that maybe aren't set in Tabor Heights? Well, I have a sister series for the Tabor Heights books called Quarry Hall. It's also set in Northeast Ohio, but Quarry Hall is physically based on Stan Hewitt Hall, the Cyberling Mansion in Akron. And Quarry Hall is a uh, philanthropic foundation, and they get very personal, hands-on, investigating uh, needs, investigating organizations, groups that need help. The daughters of Quarry Hall out to investigate they come in, they don't tell people, oh, I'm from Quarry Hall, I'm here to see if you're worth the money that you've asked for. They just come in and look around and get involved in what's going on and investigate. So there's some suspense, there's some danger. Sometimes there's not nastiness, but secrets, problems behind the scenes, and they, they dig out those secrets and sometimes get in trouble. Uh, once in a while, somebody gets badly injured. In one story, the one of the main characters gets killed. But one of the daughters of Corey Hall is a resident of Tabor Heights. So she comes back home after she's been trained by Corey Hall. And her story is later on in the first year of the Tabor Heights books. And that's all I'm going to tell you for now. <laughs> <laughs>
Okay, Michelle, does this have any events or people that mirror real life, specifically your life? No, not any events in my life, but the three theater professors at Butler Williams University are very, 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 very loosely based on my three college theater professors. You know, I chose three theater professors because that's how the work was divided up at Northwestern among my three professors. But as I say in the foreword of one of the books, no, none. <laughs> Daniel, the general, and Joel Randolph are not in any way resembling my theater professors, um, Dr. Allen, Mr. Pedersen, and Mr. Taylor. But you've used your own experience yes. to understand how it works. That's that's good. That's great. Did you do theater? Yeah, Were I was like I, on stage. That's one of my totally useless degrees. Um, I've got a double major in theater and English from Northwestern College of Iowa. I have a master's degree in communications focused on film and writing from Regent University. I took the two-year course from the Institute for Children's Literature. <laughs> I, I took one of those too. Um, I can see where those all help you in your writing and and in your um, voice work for, for the audiobooks. So that's great. Yeah, it's amazing. I'm finally doing some performing. I spent all of that? my... Th- college and graduate school time behind stage behind the camera I'm finally performing (laughs) (laughs) that's great this novel is about a mature romance not real mature but they're not in their 20s at least not except for the backstory yeah while most romance novels talk about 20 or 30 somethings why did you decide to make your characters older and make it like a second chance thing Probably the very, very first Tabor book that I wrote wasn't even a book. It was a, it was a play. I wrote two versions. One was a stage play and was a, one was a screenplay back when I was trying to write screenplays and stage plays. And that was Detours, which is the next book that's coming out. Second time around came out May 15th. Detours is coming out July 15th. I originally wrote Detours as a s- script. And there was a little bit of side story. The stage play takes place basically in the living room of the three girls' apartment, Amy, Becca, and Kat. And one of the early scenes is Thanksgiving Day when their theater professor shows up for dinner. And then Kat's mother walks in and the two are like, what are you doing here? (laughs) And so I I already had their their relationship in the back of my mind, but it was a side story. It was a subplot of the story of the three roommates. So when I started turning my different small town romances into full length novels and deciding, oh, hey, if I change these names, I can have it set in the same town. And these people, the the main character of this book is a lawyer. And these other people were, are working with a lawyer, so I can make him the same guy and such like that. So I eventually wrote Daniel and Dory because it was already there. It was just subplot and backstory. Okay. How about the setting? Uh, was it based on a real college campus in a real town? While Tabor Heights is based geographically on Berea, uh, with, uh, I borrowed bits from Troy, Ohio, Butler Williams University is very strongly based on, first of all, Northwestern College. But uh, I also borrowed a lot from 
Baldwin Wallace College, which is in Berea. So a lot of the geography, the, the campus buildings are the same. Uh, the theater building at ba Baldwin Wallace is on the same street. If you, if you drew a map of Tabor Heights, uh, you would see that a lot of the streets are the same setup as Berea. I just changed a lot of names. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I got silly with the name changes, like Bagley Road, I changed to Sackley Road. Oh, cute. <laughs> <laughs> and other other things like that. The post office is in the, is the same place. Um, there's a Dick's Bakery on Front Street in Berea. Well, there's a Rick's Bakery on Center Street in Tabor Heights. Gotcha. Little bits and pieces like that. Nice. Well, you did talk about how you wrote this book a while ago, and this is a re-release of it. Originally, when you wrote it, how long did it take you to write this book? Oh, boy. That's really hard to say because, you know, my my practice is get the rough draft out, put it aside, work on something else. And, you know, sometimes it would be months before I'd come back and work on a second draft. So it may have taken from start to finish four or five years, maybe longer. But the actual time that was put in on it, it's hard to say. You know, there there were originally 20 books in the Tabor Heights series. Now there's there's 18. But, you know, that takes a long, long time to write that many books. I can imagine, even for you, uh, <laughs> Michelle normally writes very quickly. She's a good producer of books. <laughs> what did you learn along the way, spiritually, maybe in terms of, terms of craft, uh, improving your writing skills or challenging your imagination? Learning to be better organized. I still have a hard time with reminding myself to take notes whenever I create a new character with the Tabor Heights books and having a lot of events overlap. I had to print out, I have a I had a graphic program that when they upgraded it, I lost some of the, the calendar functions. But at one time I was able to print out on just a week at a time, you know, with big, big spaces for a week at a time. So I have these ring binders with two years of calendars and I've got notes of what happens on every day in each book. And I tried to, if there were like four stories that had events on the same day, I would try to write them in different colors. So it was colors of ink. So I could tell the events apart, tell the books apart, but just getting organized so that I didn't say, okay, Tony walks into this store on this day in one book, but four books later, He's in California on the same day. I can't have that happen because some miracle may happen. And there may be a couple of people out there who have read all of my books and remember enough to say, wait a minute. <laughs> and they're the people who post post snarky remarks on Goodreads saying the author doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> so yeah, being organized, keeping notes. Um, I started figuring out that, gee, I have to be organized. I have to take notes. I have to pay attention to what's going on in one book in case it affects something that happens in another book later. Yeah, I would think a book books like these, you would have to be extremely organized because it's yeah. hard enough just in a novel that's straightforward or even in a series because I have to keep track of who the characters are. But 
But yeah, if they're going to overlap, you you have to know where they're at. <laughs> Remember a classic example of a problem with the author keeping track of her characters. A friend of mine and I both loved, loved, it's been, oh, probably 15 years since we've read them. But uh, the Amelia Peabody books by Elizabeth Peters, Amelia Peabody um, is an archaeologist specializing in Egyptology during the Victorian era. And in the first book, she basically describes herself as an Amazon. She is very tall. She's too tall for a normal woman. She's not petite and, and, and she's strong and, and she can look the hero in the eyes. Well, many years later in the series, she and her husband get tossed into a trench in the Great Pyramid. And the trench is a certain depth. So all of a sudden, Amelia had to shrink like five or six inches so she could not look over look out of the the trench standing on her husband's shoulders and my friend caught that that's the kind of stuff you have to avoid i would have made up a trench in a totally fictitious pyramid to avoid the problem (laughs) (laughs) okay did you run into any roadblocks writing this novel or this series like for instance you had to shrink somebody or (laughs) (laughs) or maybe your doubts it doesn't have to be specifically about the story you know I was just having too much fun with these books a lot of like I do with a number of my series I originally start out just writing standalone books And then somewhere along the way, I realized, oh, wait a minute, I can have these all set in the same town and, you know, borrow characters. But there are places where um, a lot of (laughs) the number of characters all of a sudden had the same names. There were there were a couple of, of men who had the same names or similar names. So I had to change them when I started introducing them which is why it was a really good thing that I started getting really, really organized. And I, I made notes of what happens in all the books before I started sending the, the books to my publisher to actually get published, because it's really awkward to make changes and corrections in a book that's been published because you come to another book and realize, oh, wait a minute, that shouldn't have happened, or he can't be here, or like I did in one of my Arthurian books where I killed off the Morgaz character three times because I forgot that I killed her off earlier in the rough draft. (laughs) Yeah, that would be a problem. Yeah. I mean, she's, she's magic. She's got magical powers, but she can't keep coming back from the dead. It just doesn't work. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Michelle, I'm sure like most writers, you're also a reader. Um, what have you been reading lately and what's your favorite author or novel? Oh, oh it's impossible to have a favorite author right now. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I've got a lot of audio books. I'm listening to a book right now called it's a fantasy. It's called the girl who drank the moon. I think it's, a, it's supposed to be a young adult, but I am so busy lately. I'm working on audiobook narration for Mount Zion Ridge. I'm preparing for a book fair I'm going to at the end of the week. I don't have time to sit and read, which is really 
I think, I think it causes me mental problems. <laughs> um, so the only reading I get in is when I get in my car to go somewhere and I'm running errands and I hook up my iPhone and listen to an audiobook. So this book, which is like a, it's a 12 hour book and I'm getting like 10 minutes at a time here and there. Yeah. That's what I'm listening to right now. I'm trying to think what else I've got going. Oh, I've got a book sitting on my bedside table, Becoming Mrs. Lewis by Patty Callahan. Yeah. I want to read that. Yeah. It's the story. It's the love story of Joy Davidman and C.S. Lewis. Mm -hmm. That's taking quite a while to read because by the time I finally get to bed at the end of the day, (laughs) I turn off the light and go to sleep. Sure. I don't have time for, which is really sad. You don't have time to read a chapter before you go to bed. Well, you may have to start making time for yourself. (laughs) I keep telling myself, okay, I just have to finish this one project and then I can take some time and relax and read. Maybe after your uh, book fair, you're going to. Yeah. After the book fair, after I get Betty's audio book uploaded, after (laughs) I get um, the rough draft of my next Defender novel written, after I finish this, after I fit. I gotcha. I have to make the time, I guess. I'm the same way. I make the time for me to have time for myself, which yeah. always includes reading. Yes, yeah. me too. I told a friend of mine, I just want to finish all these projects and then I'm going to take a week and just sit and read and watch movies on DVD. And she laughed at me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, Michelle, before we leave, do you have any parting words? Please don't be scared. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I didn't scare off the readers. I'm really not this manic as I as I sound right now. There's a lot going on. But there's a lot of different stories in the Tabor Heights books. There's stories about college kids. There's uh, stories about widows, school teachers, college professors, social workers. Uh, there's a theater professor who finds he's very accident prone and runs into a lady pilot who is just as accident prone and somehow they get together, <laughs> but it's sweet, small town romance. Sounds wonderful. And uh, don't forget to get Michelle's book, the first one, and then every Tabor Heights book after that uh, using the code Second, S-E-C-O-N-D, all caps. Go to mountsignridgepress.com and you can buy it in any format using the coupon code SECOND. That code is good through the end of June. And thank you for being on the other side of the interview seat, Michelle. We really (laughs) enjoyed it. I hope listeners did too. (laughs) Until next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Books on the Ridge, a production of Mount Zion Ridge Press, home of books off the beaten path. Check our website, www.mountzionridgepress.com, for more information. Please consider subscribing to support this podcast. Plus, receive regular updates and more discounts as our way of saying thanks. Please come back next week for a new discussion with another Mount Zion Ridge Press author. Thanks for listening. We hope you had a good time. We certainly did.